seated. You know, we have something we say a lot around here at the orchard, that is there's room for everyone. I just want to remind you, if you've been coming here for decades or if this is your first time here, there's room for you, that you are welcome in this place. No matter where you've been in the past, no matter where you are in the present, no matter your beliefs, if you are here seeking to have an encounter with God, this is your place. And that's our prayer. Not that you just hear great music, not that you just hear preaching, but that you have an encounter with the God of the universe. That's why we're here. Amen? Okay, so we are ending this Nehemiah series. And so if you are new, this is your first week, this is kind of like when you come into a movie and it's at the very end and some people have been watching the whole time. But the good thing about the orchard is you, that you don't have to stay there because what happens here is we have an orchard app and you can listen to all of our sermons all the time. Yeah, isn't that amazing? No, you can, you can catch up on your smartphone anytime you want, but even with that said, if it's your first time here, if you haven't heard any of this series, I believe, and we've already seen it happen in the first service, that God wants you to make a bold decision today. That for some of you, you will have the boldness to say yes to God's spirit and you will not leave the same person that walked in here. And that's our prayer. I, don't, I want you to know this, that every, every chair in this place has been prayed over by the prayer team on Wednesdays at noon. We pray over everyone. We prayed for you today that you would have an encounter with God. If you've been with us in this series, you know we've been talking about vision. And vision is the ability to see what could be despite what currently is. You know, vision is that leader's best friend as they paint a compelling vision that can show people this is who we could be. This is where we could be. And all throughout the life of Nehemiah, we're seeing what it looks like when people bring their yes to God's calling. Remember, Nehemiah was a captive in the land of Persia. He didn't grow up in the, his native land of Israel. He'd never visited there. He had a great job. He was the cupbearer for the king of Persia, the most powerful person on the planet. He was living a comfortable life. He had no reason to rock the boat. But then he hears about the conditions of his homeland. He hears the, about the conditions of, of Jerusalem, that the walls of the city and the city itself are in rubble. And remember back in those days, the wall of the city was what kept the people safe from thieves and raiders. They could build up their life. That, they, they didn't have any rockets or planes to go over. That was their first line of defense and that kept the people safe. So not only is the city in rubble, but the people of God living in there are also in rubble. They've, they've had their nation smashed. They've had their spirits crushed through generations of slavery. And even though they've now been allowed to travel back, they can't seem to shake the bondage inside that they continually live in. And Nehemiah is struck to the core when he hears about this. And, and God begins to birth something new inside of Nehemiah. Something so big, so audacious, that it must have just seemed ridiculous to Nehemiah when he first started to get his sense of it. God revealed this vision to him. His heart was captured by this calling to go and be a part of rebuilding God's people. Build for them a new future. There was only one problem, one huge, massive problem. He was in, uh, he was in, uh, in Persia, 900 travel miles away. He was in the city of Susa, in the palace of the most powerful person on the planet. You don't get transferred from Nehemiah's job. His job was to take the cup of the king and make sure it wasn't poisoned. There's no transfer to another king. God would have to move. Not only that, but his life was great. 
Nehemiah lived in the lap of luxury at a time when luxury was scarce. So with all the roadblocks between Nehemiah and what God called him to, with all the obstacles between here and there, plus the fact that, hey, life is fine for me, the easiest thing in the world for Nehemiah would to kind of put it out of his mind, shrug his shoulders and say, you know what, is there anything that I can really do? I mean, come on, what can I really do? But, but, but Nehemiah is captured. And this calling of God, no matter how ridiculous, settles deep within him. He doesn't know how he'll be able to be a part of it. He doesn't know if he'll be able to be a part of it. But he knows if he's going to, God's got to make a way. God has to do miraculous work for him to even be a part of it. But remember, where God calls, he prepares a way. He makes a way. And when God gives Nehemiah a chance to speak to the king, Nehemiah risks his life and his livelihood to boldly ask for permission to leave and go rebuild his people, and he asked that the king would resource it. God's favor's on Nehemiah, and before he knows it, he's traveling back to Jerusalem with resources. He arrives and he inspects the city, and it's, it's in worse condition than he even imagined, so he gathers all the people of, it, of Jerusalem together, and he speaks this bold vision. He calls them to this new thing, and they respond. The Bible says they proclaim, let us rise up and do this great work. And from there we read how all the different types of people, from the wealthy and the poor, from the skilled to the untrained, uh, from the old to the young, they all come together and they work together to see God's purposes coming true. But then, as we read, enemies start to threaten them. And now these are real threats with real implications and it frightened Nehemiah's people and rightfully so. They're not an army. They don't have a wall. They have no defenses. God gave them a vision, but immediately it's threatened to go sideways and, and get way off course right here at the beginning. And at any turn in this story, at any place, Nehemiah could have given in to the pressure and then given up on the vision. And time and time again, we see Nehemiah stay the course. One of my favorite verses, Nehemiah, when asked to give up on the vision, says this, I'm doing a great work I will not stop. I will not come down. Nehemiah kept the vision ahead of him and he wasn't about to change that vision. But regardless of what he thought the vision was, the roadblocks, the obstacles, the opposition, the problems, the logistics just kept piling up. And to push forward in the same way that he started would have been catastrophic. So what did Nehemiah do? He had the vision, but facing all the obstacles, what did he do? Well, this next principle is something that I hope we are all armed with leaving here. This is very important to my life. You see, when Nehemiah hit trouble and his original plans were being thwarted by roadblocks and opposition, he kept the people on vision. He kept the vision ahead of him, but he changed their plans. He changed strategies. He posted guards. He put trumpeters with them to blow their horns when they were attacked. He armed the people so they could work with one hand and have a weapon in the other. They faced new challenges. Nehemiah implemented new strategies. And catch this, here it is. Nehemiah didn't quit on the vision, but he did adjust the strategy. We can be certain that Nehemiah had hoped that he would accomplish the vision without any holdbacks, any holdups, or any setbacks. But when they came, Nehemiah know, he knew what to quit. You don't quit the vision, but you can quit your current strategy to get to the vision. And Orchard, this is huge for us to remember. You see, when God places a calling or a purpose or a vision within you for your family, maybe your life, for your career, or here at this church, 
You will face roadblocks. You will face obstacles. You will face opposition. And many take this to be a sign from God that, oh, the vision God's done with me. He's, he's left me alone. Uh, listen, don't be surprised when you face obstacles going after what God's given you. You see, we think that might be evidence that God's not with us, but in fact, we find over and over in the Bible that that could be evidence that you're on the right path. Nowhere in the Bible does it say if you follow God, you won't face any roadblocks and you won't face any trouble. And in fact, Jesus in, in John 16, says, if you follow me in this life, you will have trouble. So we will face it. So when we face trouble, we don't look at the heavens and declare, have you left me? Because trouble will find us. And when we face it, we get to choose. Do I quit on the vision he's given me or do I change my strategy? If you change the vision, we'll never get to where God called us. And personally, I will never get to be the person that God called me to be. Don't quit the vision. Instead, remember what Nehemiah shows us here. Strategies change. They change all the time. They're temporary. Did you guys know a strategy is good for one thing? Getting you to the vision. And if it stops that one thing, then find a different one. When Nehemiah faced obstacles, he stopped the strategy. He didn't stop the vision. He found a new strategy to get to the vision. Let me discuss this in a couple of different areas, how it works in our life. In, in church, first of all, you see, this principle gives us perspective for what matters most. You see, our vision here is love God, love people, all people. Our mission is to proclaim the truth of Jesus and make disciples. Our purpose is to, to point others to a relationship with Jesus. Those things are sacred. But the strategies we use to see those things happen, they're not sacred. They're constantly shifting. Remember, strategies are good for one thing, getting you to the vision. And when it stops, adjust. So what does it mean for us as the orchard? First of all, I want us to recognize what's vision and what's strategy. What matters most around here? Is it services and, and what, what time we have service? That's all strategy. Is it our min different ministries, men's and women's and all? Our, that's all strategy. Is it our music and our style? Is that our vision? That's a strategy. What about growth groups, our most vital ministry? Still just a strategy to get people in authentic community for life change. And you see, and the danger in church is we begin to confuse the strategies as sacred. And there have been churches who formed temporary strategies hundreds of years ago, and now they are sacred rituals. When they were never meant to be. Churches split all the time, and they rarely split over the vision of who Jesus is. They split over strategies where people can't agree on the little things. We've got to keep this perspective. Jesus Christ is the main thing. I mean, we keep him the main thing above all. The people of vision must be able to see that everything can change as long as the deep calling of God, the vision before us, doesn't. An orchard, starting from our roots decades ago, we have always been a church that was willing to risk bold new strategies to see a bold vision happen. I love that about us. I love how we, we are willing to change and willing to risk. And in the coming years, we're gonna try some new strategies to love God and love people. And we're going to stop some old strategies. And some are going to work and some are not. You're going to love some of the new ones. And you're going to dislike some of the new ones. But here's the point. That we never get confused about what matters most. That Jesus is the main thing. And we are here to love God and love people. And may that not change about us. Amen? Amen. Amen. 
What about our personal lives? How does this principle speak to us? You want a you bold question to ask yourself? Ask this. What spiritual strategies in my life stopped working a long time ago? You see, you may have a picture of who God wants you to be. You may have been given a vision for the kind of person that God wanted you to be. Somebody who's living in freedom and overcoming sin with, with joy and with peace. And strategies, um, we had strategies to help become that person at one point. And maybe they stopped working six days ago or six months ago or 16 years ago. And we still have hope to be that person God calls us to, but the obstacles have come in. And we found diminishing returns on our old strategies. And I just want to say this. Don't be afraid to shake it up. With the vision of who God called you to be ahead of you, go read a new book. Listen, go just attend a new conference. Go try something new out. Join a growth group. Start leading. Or you want to grow? Start mentoring. Go join one of our ministries and start serving. Change your devotional time. Attend the prayer time. Get a, get a Bible reading plan. Or maybe just listen to a podcast instead of radio. All these are little strategies that can help you pursue the big vision of being a person of transformed life. Don't quit on the vision, but don't be afraid to change the strategy. Many people I talk to have a personal vision of being free of their vices and being a person who's living in freedom and maturity and purity. And, but the vision faces huge challenges of temptation. But, but leave the vision of being that person up there. It's big. It's worthwhile. It's life-changing. And maybe your, new, maybe your current uh, strategy isn't working. Your current strategy is, I'm going to keep it to myself and just promise myself, I'm going to do better next time. <laughs> and years of that, and maybe it's time for a new strategy of opening up to a loved one and saying, I am really struggling here. I need accountability. You see, find a new strategy to be that person. Keep the vision ahead of you. Orchard, it's time to re-examine maybe the visions of who you wanted your life to be. Because you might have given up on them years ago because the strategy stopped working and you confused it with the vision not working. So pull those visions for who God once called you to be out and say, God, do you still want me to be this kind of man, this kind of woman, this kind of father, mother, husband, wife? And to reignite in our hearts with a renewed vigor and a new strategy. And when the fire dies down on that strategy, then find a new one. But never give up on the vision. Nehemiah teaches us, never be afraid to change a temporary strategy for an eternal vision. What about marriage? You know, we entered, we entered into marriage with a strong vision and a thrilling strategy, didn't we? It, but, but what's so funny is the strategies that got us married sometimes struggle to keep us married. Have you noticed that? But don't quit on the vision. Don't quit on the marriage. But do find a fresh strategy to pursue intimacy once again. Date nights before kids, how easy were those? Every night's a date night. It, it, it just happened. Well, I guess here we are again. And now, now the kids go to, go to bed, hopefully, and you collapse on the couch. Listen, don't give up on the vision of that marriage. Don't give up on the vision of a godly marriage that God called you with intimacy. But, but if you need to, change the strategy. Do what you need to do. I would say this, do whatever you need to do in your strategies to continue to pursue that godly marriage. Don't quit on it find a fresh strategy to pursue one another. Nehemiah teaches us this. Don't quit on the vision. Find a fresh strategy. And because Nehemiah pursued the vision, because he never gave up, guess what? Despite all the threats from without and all the threats from within, because he didn't stop keeping that ahead of him, 
they finished the wall in 52 days. 15 feet thick. They finished the wall in 52 days, and we don't think that's impressive, but let me just tell you this. I know you know these dates already, but let me just go through them. On July 18th of the year 586 B.C., Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, and wiped out. And in the fall of the year 445 B.C., over 140 years later, Nehemiah and the people started their project with the favor of God in front of them. And what generations of people had gotten used to being broken, what families had just gotten used to living in, for 140-some years, in 52 days, the people of vision said yes to God, and he did something in their midst. So this is something else we learned from Nehemiah. When we say yes to God, he can do something in a very short amount of time that could have been in ruins for, for years or decades or even generations. When we align with God, his power can accomplish his purposes in miraculous time. And this is great news. You see, the issues that have taken you out for a lifetime, God can transform them in an instant. The generational sin that's been a part of your past and your family's past can be cut and severed in a moment. We've seen addicts rendered, with their addictions rendered powerless in seconds. We've seen couples find love again in a heartbeat after decades of coldness. God can do in one moment what we cannot do for ourselves in a lifetime. Why we pursue God's help above self-help. He can do amazing things. Some of us in this room have our backs up against some pretty powerful enemies in our lives who want to steal our character, who want to rob us of our passion and ruin our marriages and and our, our children. And what Nehemiah shows us time and time again is that when we partner with God, the natural rules of transformation cease to exist because there's supernatural rules at play and that God can do great things in an instant. Do you need forgiveness this morning? Are you in here feeling condemnation? You need a fresh start? Psalm 51.10 says this, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a strong spirit in me. Renew it. Create it. Maybe that's your prayer. Maybe this morning you're here and you have a calloused life, calloused emotions because of all the past experiences that you have faced. And in Ezekiel, God says to his people, he says this, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I'll remove your hard heart and give you a new and soft one. God can do an instant. Feeling like your past still defines you this morning? 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Jesus, they are a new creation. The old has passed and the new life has come. Some of us need to start expecting more. Some of us need to raise up our expectations because God wants to move in these ways in our lives. We learn from Nehemiah that God can move the timeline up when we partner with him for redemption. So in those places in your life where you have rubble, your yes can lead to transformation and redemption quicker than you ever could have imagined. That's good news. We learned a whole lot of lessons from Nehemiah. I love Nehemiah. He showed up and he found a people and a city in rubble. I can imagine, you know, they were used to it, but for him it must have been overwhelming. God called me to come back here and be a part of it, but this, this is ridiculous. It must have been overwhelming to him. 
but they partner with God. And let me say something very important. God uses the rubble of the past to build the vision of his future. You gotta catch this. You see, like Nehemiah, maybe you and your life, you're surrounded by the rubble of the wounds and the failures and the past painful experiences that you've gotten. We all have this. The rubble in our lives of broken dreams, broken homes, broken promises, painful experiences, all the wounds we've accumulated. But remember, God uses the rubble of your past to build the vision of his future. Those hardships that ruined you, listen to what Romans 8, 28 says. God works all things. God works all rubble in your life. How many things? I'm sorry. How many things? How many things? He works all things to the good of those who love him and are called by his purpose. We are called by his purpose. Some of my deepest wounds have built me into the man I am today. Some of my deepest pain has prepared me for the purpose that God has one of my favorite verses in the Bible echoes, echoes this in Genesis 50, verse 20. What life intended to destroy me, God has used for the good and the saving of many. What the enemy, what life wanted to destroy you with, God's gonna use for your good. He's gonna use it for the saving of many. That rubble in your past, he's gonna build redemption in your future. God had a plan all along. Don't define your life by your personal rubble because those are God's building blocks for what he has next for you. Don't give up. Don't give in. What you thought was just a setback, God is using to set you up for the new vision. Don't ever get in because God's never done. He's got more ahead. God uses the rubble of our past to build the vision of his future. And this leads to my final takeaway. Nehemiah was called by God to do something great, but guess what? He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a priest. He was a working person in a different industry, but when God called him, he stepped up. When he stepped forward into God's calling, God leveled up his leadership. God leveled up his giftedness, but more than that, all the influence that Nehemiah ever thought he could have had in Persia. What did God do with Nehemiah? God took him farther than he ever could have imagined. Nehemiah went from a man who works for the government to a man who establishes God's kingdom and purposes because he said yes. We wouldn't have known Nehemiah had he not said that yes because he said yes despite the roadblocks. He said said yes despite the logistics. Despite all the logistics between him and what, what God called him to, he still said yes. And this is important because when Nehemiah said yes, God said now watch this. And when you are called by God to step forward into something, all he asks of you is to bring your yes. He doesn't want you to have to have it all figured out. It's not your responsibility to have all the roadblocks smoothed out. It's not your responsibility to have all the logistics settled. It's not up to you to have it all figured out before you step out in faith. In fact, I would say this. If you're waiting for it to all be figured out before you step out, you're gonna be waiting a lifetime. If I'm waiting on certainty before I exercise faith, I'll be waiting for a lifetime. Because stepping out in faith requires uncertainty. Faith requires uncertainty, or it's not a step of faith. If you're waiting for certainty in your circumstances, you won't step out. 
But if you've decided that God's calling and God's presence is all the certainty you need, you can step out right now into a renewed purpose, into a new life, into a fresh start. And God will take you farther than you ever could have imagined. God's word says that faith is being confident of what we hope for. Faith is stepping out in confidence when the only certainty we have is that he's with us and he's called us. And that's powerful. You bring your yes. God brings his, now watch this, because he's about to do something in you and through you. I bet Nehemiah was shocked when he got to heaven and he saw all that God had done through his life. I mean, his one yes not only changed generations of people, but down through the countless generations to this day, all the churches and all the sermons and all the people whose lives have been transformed because of Nehemiah's yes. And it's amazing to me that his yes there in the city of Susa in the year 445 BC is working its flavor and its favor into us 2,462 years later. One yes continued. That's the power of partnering with God's purposes. You see, when you say yes to the vision of God, he takes you places you can never take yourself. You know, sometimes we'll go hiking as a family, and so we go up Mushroom Rock, right? You guys been there? You ever been on there with kids? My friends and I have a fun bet. When we're by ourselves, we see who can make it up the fastest, and we send each other times. But when you're with their kids, you don't really do that. But we, so you're with your children, and you, and you get to the trailhead, and they love to hike for the first, what, 50 yards? And they're running up the trail, and there's, every stick is something, and there's rocks, and it's just a joy, it's a joy, and it's a joy to watch them until the, the 51st yard or whatever. And then, and then, Daddy, I'm tired. How much farther? How much farther? Oh, sweetie, we just started. I can see the trailhead. Daddy, up. They partner with their daddy. And their daddy picks them up and puts them on his shoulders. And I take them places they can never go on their own. And I take them to see some things and get perspective in their life that they never would have had if they had been left to themselves. Because they partnered with their daddy. And your heavenly father calls you to partner with him. And he wants to take your life to places you never have been and never could have imagined. And he wants to take you to see perspective on your world that you would never get on your own. He loves you that much. And so he's calling you to give him your yes and partner with him. And you just wait to see what he's gonna do with your life. We learned so much from Nehemiah. Let me just review these three things as we close. Number one, don't quit on the vision, but find a different strategy. There are areas in your life where hardships and roadblocks, you've quit on the vision that God called you to. And I want you to re-examine that during prayer time. Say, Father, is this still for me? Don't quit on the vision, but find a different strategy. Somebody here today, somebody's marriage needed to hear this because you've been wondering about quitting on the vision. And God's saying, don't quit on the vision. Don't quit on the marriage. Find a new strategy. Somebody's personal life needed to hear this because because you've given up on being the person God called you to because of the obstacles and roadblocks. Don't give up on the vision. Find new ways to go after it. Number two, God can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. Nehemiah and the people of vision said yes to God and they accomplished something in 52 days. 
Don't give up on transformation because God can bring you freedom and healing and redemption. He can bring that. We've longed for it for, for decades, some of us. He can bring it in a moment. And this is why our prayer times on Wednesdays are so important. If you have needs in this place that are big, we pray every Wednesday at noon for people just like you. We pray that God would do a miraculous work. And if you're needing breakthrough this morning, a great opportunity for you is to go back to our, our prayer wall in the back and get prayer or maybe at the front. But, but where you need breakthrough, where you're asking God to do something, partner with somebody. Come up and get some prayer for it. Number three, God uses the rubble of your past to build the vision of his future. And many of us have accumulated wounds and experiences that have left our dreams and our plans in rubble. But don't ever believe the lie that God is done with you. This very day, he can give you a fresh start, a renewed faith, a renewed vision for who you could be. And this is where I'm gonna close because you see, for many of us here, God wants to call us to a fresh faith. You know, we see our rubble, we see our past, we know our issues, don't we? And we say, could God really do it in my life? Will he do it? We want to partner with our daddy to take us where we can't be. And all it takes from us is that first initial heartfelt yes of surrender. Yes. To lay down our pride that keeps us from that surrender. To, to lay down our fear that keeps us from that yes. And say yes to God's calling. For those of you here who have known God for a long time, you may have chosen to follow Jesus years ago but I want to give you an opportunity to reaffirm your faith this morning, to say yes. Listen, just because you said yes at summer camp 30 years ago doesn't mean you don't need a fresh, fresh yes today. Always have a, a fresh yes handy for God. Just have it available. And so today he wants to give you a fresh faith. Today he wants to renew your heart. And so today, whatever you find you come in here with, the stuff you've, the rubble you've collected in your faith life, know this, there's no condemnation for what you've done. The Bible says that clearly. He calls you to forgiveness. And so today I want you to pray with me if you're willing. If this, is, if this is something you want to reaffirm your faith and ask for a fresh faith, I want you to pray with me right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray and you can repeat after me. Jesus, give me fresh faith. Turn my rubble into redemption. Give me new vision for what my life could be. Renew my spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you here today, you have not yet accepted Jesus as your Savior. You've, you've gotten up to the line, but you haven't made that decision. And I want you to know that he's asking you for that one last yes that says, I want you, Jesus. That you would know that, that Jesus died for your sins and resurrected. And that because of him, that one yes of yours, he says, now watch this. And he gives you forgiveness in your past and peace in your present and hope for your future. And if you're here today and you're considering praying to receive Jesus as your Savior. I want you to pray with me right now. So let's pray again, and you guys can all repeat after me. Jesus, I know you died. I know you resurrected. I give you my heart. Holy Spirit, fill me. Transform me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that this morning and you met, prayed that heartfelt for the first time, will you please meet me in the back um, during, this, during this last song? I'd love to talk to you more about that. But Orchard, as we close this series, I, I'm praying that each of us in this room feels a fresh calling to what God has for our life. And he's asking each of us in this room to step up in our leadership and our service and our generosity and our commitment to this unique body of people. And God's called this church to unique things. 
And, and I think it's, this is gonna sound ridiculous. We might say yes to God as a people and our region will know what it means to love God and love people because of us. The world might know what it means to love God and love people because of us. And I know that sounds just so silly, but do you think one man, Nehemiah, saying yes, thought it would go that far? Do you think he thought the redemption from his yes would go that far? We never know. So we release that to God and we just say yes. So we are praying that you guys are all in as we move forward to what God has for us. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that you died on the cross and rose again. That by, your, by all your work, there's no work for us to do for salvation. You've done it. And I pray, Father, as we get the elements of your blood and body today, that we would be so thankful for that. And I pray that in that moment, you would give us a fresh vision for our life and a fresh faith and a fresh fire. And everyone said, let's respond.